Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, they use the term Shark Week a lot. Oh, interesting. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, that was the most popular one for for the for a very long time. It was okay. It's Shark Week for me. Got it. So, so that is the week when your partner or the person you're with is on their period. And so that's a good thing, obviously. Right. Hey, I'm Noah Michelson, and this is D is for Desire, the podcast where we look at love and sex from angles you could have never imagined in health class. And for the final episode of our first season, we're exploring something that happens every single month for many people who get off with other people, or even by themselves. I mean, a lot of you encounter it because it's a completely natural and normal part of life, even if many people act like it's not. So, let's talk about it. Let's talk about period sex. And full disclosure, as a gay guy who has never hooked up with someone who has a uterus, I'm no expert. So let's actually start by listening to these people. So, period sex. Period intercourse, I doubt, is really all that rare. I'm all for it, but I don't like doing it on my heavy dick because it's like a bloodbath. Period sex? Oh, my God. That is just... No. Mm Mm-mm. Like the week before? Yeah. My period started when we were having sex and he got really mad at me and it actually led us to breaking up. It feels so much better. It helps with my cramps. I have better orgasms. There are so many things about it that I really love. The menstrual fluid provides ready-made lubrication for sex. My wife would probably remind me that's no reason to shortcut the foreplay, though. It's not like people who menstruate all of a sudden are turned off whenever their period starts. He enjoyed it. He wasn't put off by the smell of the blood. I felt sexy again, and it was it was great to have that back, and I didn't even know how much I was missing it. One of my favorite things to do is actually to eat a girl out when she's on her period. And it's kind of like a big fuck you to society, to, you know, because they try to make women feel so gross about their menstrual cycles. I'm laying there. He's gently pulling my tampon out. I'm thinking, he doesn't really want to do this. I'll let him off the hook. And I don't even think I got to the end of that word or sentence. He got to it, and I let him, and I came in his mouth, and there were no complaints from either of us. And the reason I'm even leaving this message for you guys is because this or that experience is available to everyone. For everyone out there who wants it, I want it for you, period, exclamation point. Now, the reality of period sex is one thing, but liking it, the allure of it, that's something totally different. Because the truth is, 
Some people love period sex, and some people even crave it. Even though billions of people around the world are getting their period every month, and many of them are having sex while it's happening, period sex is still not something we talk about. As a culture, or as lovers, or friends, or even in most sex ed classes, periods are still seen as gross. So period sex is seen as gross. And really, we're dealing with taboo upon taboo upon taboo, which makes for the perfect storm of shame and silence. And that's not helping anyone. So, let's see what we can learn from a few folks who love periods, love period sex, and aren't afraid to admit it. Why don't we start with David, who you heard at the top. Uh, first started in high school. I was 15 years old. Um, it was just a girl from our, my, my math class. We kind of hung out after school. My mom worked 10-hour days, so we did kind of sneak a, a few drinks. Um, in, and then uh, while we were hanging out, we started to make out and... That led to when we started, we were going to have sex. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a condom. So that led to um, just going to oral sex. Uh, at the time, I had never had any kind of intercourse or any experience with period play. So it was kind of a first time for me. I didn't know she was on it. And then all of a sudden, I've got blood in my mouth. I wasn't um, hesitant or anything like that. It was just unexpected. When that happened in that moment, what was your reaction? What, do you remember what went through your head? Uh, the first thing that went through my head was, what the hell's going on? <laughs> uh, I mean, mainly my biggest experience with periods at the time was whatever the schools had taught us. How much had they taught you? Did you know very much about sex in general or about the way a woman's body worked? Uh, just that they had periods that what, you know, what ovulation was. But other than that, I mean, it was all textbook. And my family was not very open about anything like that, about periods or sex. So it was mainly my mom gave me a book and said, here you go, read it. So I was kind of on my own in all of this. I had no idea that it, that there was any kind of fetish about it. Um, I did find that I enjoyed it. I thought, uh, I thought it was rather exciting, especially because as a male, especially at that age, periods are something that are really consider taboo or something that boys don't really talk about. What was her reaction actually when that happened? Had she warned you about this or did it just sort of happen? I, there was no warning. It just kind of happened. I had it, I had blood in my mouth and uh, we really didn't discuss it until afterwards. And all I got was uh, sorry about that. So before we go any further, let's pause Because David's saying something fundamental here. Period sex is taboo because periods are taboo, especially to young cis men of a certain age, like 15-year-old David. For some people, it all goes back to the awkwardness of health class. For others, it was hearing about periods from a friend on the playground and feeling embarrassed or scared. And all of that is steeped in the way our culture has demonized periods, and the people who have them, for thousands of years. I spoke with a menstrual historian to learn more about how we got here. 
Her name is Alyssa Stein. Ten years ago, she noticed there was a giant hole in our culture where good, smart, easy-to-understand information about periods should be. So, she wrote a book called Flow. So the stigmatization of periods goes back for thousands upon thousands of years. It's not like it's a recent thing. So why do people have such bad feelings about menstruation? Why do they think it's dirty? Why do they think it's impure? Because the Bible says so. And I came across that when I was researching. I thought that can't possibly be true. The Bible can't say menstruation is dirty or disgusting or you're unclean. So I called a rabbi who said, yes, actually, the Bible does say that. I spoke to a priest. I spoke to deeply religious people from all different sects of religion across the globe and found out that the idea that menstruation is dirty and impure is a basic given in just about every religion on the planet. So this is a mindset that's gone back for so many years when religion was the center of culture and society. So if you take the Bible saying uh, a woman who has her period is dirty, you can't touch her hand, you can't sleep in the same bed, you can't sit on the same chair. I used to think of it almost as if menstruation was like quote unquote cooties. You could catch something. And what amazed me was that this wasn't just a mindset rooted in the distant past. In contemporary religion today, you know, an Orthodox man will not shake a woman's hand. Women are segregated in synagogues. A man can't have sex with his wife for two weeks out of the month because she has her period or she hasn't been ritually cleansed yet. So these negative mindsets that you know, were written about thousands of years still hold true today. So what I believe is that when there's so much negativity about menstruation coming from you know, Greek philosophers and the writers of the Bible and the Quran, we've adopted it into our collective consciousness, and now we just kind of assume it to be fact when it's not. Let's just fast forward a little bit then through the timeline. You know, after the, the tone has been set sort of by religion and that's seeped into everything, how are periods then seen more in more recent history? About 100 or so years ago is when the first menstrual products came onto the marketplace. So this was a super challenging situation because how do you advertise a product that's brand new for something that nobody will talk about? Because nobody talked about menstruation. So advertisers and product developers created this language about uh, feminine hygiene, sanitized napkins, you know, if you go into any store now and look at any box of any product, you never find the word menstruation because this whole entire language has been created so that we can talk about it without really talking about it. So advertisers were in a way brilliant because they realized that if you can convince people who are going to use these products that they are your partner and they will keep your secrets safe and you won't have the shame or the embarrassment of somebody knowing you have your period if you use their product, boom, billion dollar industry. Every woman is looking for the perfect fit. You bet. That's why Tampax tampons give every woman a personalized fit. No other form of feminine protection feels better. It's the best feeling of all. 
New Always with channels. It's cleaner, it's drier, and now it protects even better. Ain't nobody's business. Introducing Ain't nobody's business. New Tampax Compact Tampons. I see this as this tremendous wall has been built about menstruation that keeps the secret safe so that a lot of products can be sold. And then, you know, what do you, what would you say the consequences are of that, that kind of secretive language, that refusal to talk about a really natural process? What kind of consequences are we seeing because of that coded language? You know, when I was working on flow and I was sort of seeing everything through this menstrual filter, you know, it sort of changed my perception on so many things. I, I felt strongly that the way that we deal with sex in this country is so much the way that we deal with menstruation. It's a, it's a different language. It's not just open conversation. There is nothing written about menstruation and sex. It's so taboo that even in the Kinsey report, which was this huge sex study done in the 50s, they didn't ask a question about menstruation. And then there was another height report done in the 70s, which was a much more open and free love free time. And again, no conversation about menstruation. Now, people have sex and lots of people having sex get their periods. And you'd think that somebody would think to ask a question, do you have it? Do you enjoy it? Uh, Does it turn you off? Does it turn you on? How do you deal with it? Because there are other people out there, I'm sure, who'd like to know. But the question wasn't even addressed. You know, when we think about people who enjoy um, having sex when someone's on their period or fetishize periods, um, where do you think that really fits into the cultural history of menstruation now? I wish that period sex didn't have to be a fetish. I wish that period sex could just be period sex because there's nothing wrong with it. Some people really enjoy it. So... To have period sex be marginalized, and I don't want to put down fetishes because fetishes are also really important, but I think that it could be just a part of what people do instead of having it to be um, a secret or something that you think is negative, I think in large part because of our society and how talking about sex openly and easily is not something that's taught anywhere. So you add in the extra period angle and that can just make things even harder for something that could just be fun or not for everybody. I think that many people aren't even comfortable enough with themselves to go there to see what they they want personally before even sharing that with a partner. Let's get back to David. He's 15. He gets this surprise mouthful of blood after going down on someone for the first time. And not only is he comfortable with what happened, he likes it, which got him Googling. Uh, I would say it was a couple of weeks. I would spend nights kind of just thinking about it and that feeling of being turned on by it. I, I tried to, at first, a little bit suppress it because, again, to me, it was like, okay, well, that's not normal. Um, you know, it, it wasn't something that I could easily find online. I couldn't just go to Pornhub and look it up initially. So to me, it was, okay, I can't find a lot of information on this. This must be this this fetish or this idea that I enjoy. This must be kind of weird. And with that, I had no idea who to go to. N- yeah, no idea where to even start, um, other than just looking up like period fetish on Google. But that really didn't bring anything up or or help me at first either. So then, 
you're doing these Google searches, you're looking for something online, you're not really finding much. What did you find? What was sort of the gateway then that you found something you thought, okay, this is different than what I've been finding. Maybe this is the answer to what I'm looking for. What was that? So there was, and I don't even think the site's up anymore, but there was a fetish forum and it was all these different fetishes. There was the, uh, the golden shower fetish. There was like a vomit or puke fetish, a scat fetish. And so that kind of helped me realize, okay, maybe what I was, what I was thinking was shameful. It, it really shouldn't be to me. And then later as Tumblr became more popular, there was a lot of like those sub tumblers or Tumblr profiles that did have some dedication to that. Where do you go from there? How does it sort of then move to the next level where this becomes something that um, you're seeking out? You're going to you're going to actually try and make it a part of your life. Uh, so from there, it was, yeah, just after the feeling out phases, I would bring it up. Um, I had some good experiences and some not so good experiences with that. One one person was very, very nice with it. Um, and she's like, I've never tried before, but I'd like to give it a shot. And then one one girl I did meet at a Comic-Con, actually, uh, threw me out of her house before I could even get my shoes or pants back on. So you told her... And she just was, was she offended? Was she scared? Freaked out. Just going, how, that's so gross. How can you enjoy that? That's so wrong. How could anybody enjoy that? Um, and basically was like, you need to leave now. And then I've been with the same partner for seven, eight years now. And I had introduced it to her. Talk to me about how that conversation went, what her reaction was, and, and what happened. We had just moved out into our own apartment after high school, um, and we were watching TV, and she had told me that that morning um, her period had started, and that's when I had brought up. I said, well, have you ever had somebody go down on you while you've been on your period? And the, the look she gave me was like like a dog just took a dump on her shoe. Uh, it, it was just the weirdest kind of look, like, what are you talking about? Um, and that's kind of when I went into the details of, you know, this is not the first time I've done this. Um, so it took a couple of months before she would agree to, um, to, to let me try. But uh, like I said, ever since we tried the first time, it's been become a regular part of our life. I always think about who's listening to this podcast. And I think some people don't have the same experiences, obviously, that other people do. I think some people don't even really understand how a fetish works or how um, kink or arousal works for you. Maybe you can just sort of explain what does period sex do for you? How is period sex different for you than regular sex? Can you put it into words, the feelings that you get when you're able to, to engage in period sex? The best way I could describe it is kind of like when you're growing up and you finally get that ability or you're finally tall enough to be able to go on that really big roller coaster you've been eyeing for a few years, that that moment of getting on that ride and it starts going, that's kind of how I feel every time. I have to say, I mean, that, I, I think that's a beautiful metaphor. And I also think it's sad that some people don't ever... One, they don't even get in line for the ride. 
And two, they don't even get on the ride because they won't let themselves or they don't find the thing that really does it for them. I think there's something kind of beautiful about being able to say, this is the thing that really does it for me. So with that too, I mean, because it kind of felt so taboo at first, it did kind of open my mind to other experiences. There have been other times that some, you know, something's come up I've never tried before. Rope play, for instance, or even knife play at one point. You know, the period play fetish kind of allowed me to open up and say, okay, I'll give it a shot once. If I don't like it, I don't like it. That's fine. But at least then I can say I gave it a shot and I didn't like it. So you feel like it's made you more open-minded just in general to a lot of different things. Oh, absolutely. If you couldn't have period sex again, what would that be like for you? I think some people don't understand, you know, again, when we're talking about fetishes or talking about something that really um, gets someone gets someone off, um, they just think, well, you don't have to have that. What would your life, how would your life be different if you were told right now you can never have period sex again? Uh, you might want to just take my dominant arm. Um, I, at, at this point, it's been such a long part of my sexual life. It, it would be like basically losing it. Yeah, it, it would be devastating to me. So basically, it's it's a very integral part of who you are at this point. Yeah, absolutely. After the break, we'll hear from someone who says fucking around while on her period actually allows her to interrogate her relationship with her period. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Health Class. Or, at least, our version of it. So far, we've touched on periods and period sex. And now we're going to explore what happens when you try to shed taboos surrounding both of them. And what happens when you actually do. So before we get into what we're mainly going to be talking about today, I just would love for you to talk about your sex life in general and and how you got into the BDSM community Um you know, when did that start? How did it start? And and what has your experience in that community been like? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's a big one. <laughs> this is Lucky. She's 26 years old, and she's a librarian by day and a digital sex worker in her spare time. I guess I would say that I started exploring BDSM in a consensual way in my mid-teens, just like with um, a guy I was dating in high school and, you know, I was just searching on the internet and came across all these terms. And I was like, oh, like, this is how I feel. Like, this is a place where 
Like I see myself fitting in really well. In college, Lucky got more and more involved with the community, attending events, connecting with others through kink. But she says the power dynamic wasn't always in her favor as a young submissive girl. It was very much an atmosphere of like sharks swarming, um, which made me uncomfortable. Um, So I have since backed away from like the community proper. um, And now I have been in a um, master-slave relationship with my current owner for about two years. The part that interested me about him was his um, respectfulness. Um, I think there's a tendency, especially for like internet doms, to have this persona of like, oh, I'm just going to use you and not care, or, um, you know, you're only good for this thing that I'm asking you to do. Um, But like that first call, it was established like, you know, I'm going to be a safe and respectful place for you. You know, for this episode, we're talking about period play and and period sex. Were you aware of that as being a fetish or an interest that people specifically had before you met him? And how did he bring that up? Do you remember that situation? Um, Sure. So I have, you know, always had sex on my period, um, just, you know, throw a towel down and clean up afterwards sort of thing. Um, and I, I guess in the back of my mind, I always assumed that people would have that as a fetish because I don't think that there's anything unfetishable. Um, so, but I had never, um, been with anyone who was interested in that so much. The way he brought it up, was very much like, I own you, so that means I own all of you, even the parts of you that maybe society doesn't want to see or things that are like gross or difficult. Including her period. But before we get to that, let's backtrack just a bit. Before all of this, Lucky thought of her period the way many people do, as an annoying monthly visitor who leaves a mess to clean up. Social cues taught her to be embarrassed by it. Like one time in middle school when her dad scolded her for throwing away a pad without wrapping it in toilet paper. So when she began consciously engaging with her period during sex, a new dialogue with her body just sort of opened up, and she journaled about it. My owner has a period kink. I guess I do too now, but it's only because of him. I've always been chill to fuck on my period, but it's not something I fetishized until I met him. Now instead of tampons and pads, I use Diva Cup and Thinks. One beautiful and perhaps unintended side effect of submitting to him in this way. I feel more in tune with my menstruating body, more in sync with the resilience of my femininity. I started my period this morning, and I'm always heaviest the first two days. Before I hopped in the shower, I sent him some lewds, and he called. I'm very much into, like, humiliation, so the fact that it was, like, gross um, turned me on to have to clean up afterwards uh, was exciting, and just to feel, like, 
oh, like, here are the consequences of our play. Like, and I like the way that it smells, but in like only the grossest way. And I like the way that um, if my period blood is on my body, that it, it, it dries and flakes off in a way that is satisfying to me. Um, yeah, those are, those are some things that I've come to enjoy. And so for you, again, some of this was exciting for you because it, it leaned into or, or directly related to the degradation play or the humiliation play that you enjoyed, right? Yeah, definitely. Will you talk a little bit more about that, about how the period play, you know, um, sparks that part of your sexuality? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, any bodily fluids are gross um, and not to be mixed with sexual play. Um, but yeah, especially periods, you know, just because, um, you know, it, it's all throughout the world that, you know, women have to be kind of kept away when they're on their periods. Like it's, it's polluting, you know, it's a polluting factor in a body. And to imagine that as like the truth during play, um, that is, that's fun. And a lot of the more physical things um, are gross too. Like the smell is funky and like the consistency can be kind of, you know. Um, And for me, like that, that grossness is cool because like I always like to feel like I'm overcoming something in in play and in general like in in my regular bodily life um I'm very much like oh yeah like I can I can overcome this through my body um I I try to be meditative about it in that way um so yeah to to not only like have the gross thing happening but to do it to myself is like an extra layer of like Oh, like that's humiliating. Um, I, I've got some pictures that, you know, are to me, like they just look shocking. Um, and of like me with my blood on me and, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of embarrassing, but in the best way, I think. Mm -hmm. Will you just tell me again or, or tell me more about how you feel, during period play and after period play, what is that experience like for you um, sexually and emotionally? Um, During my period play, I feel electrified. Um, I feel like there's a lot of energy inside me and um, I feel like I'm you know, to, to be doing it with my owner. I'm, I always am in the mindset of like, I'm being a good girl. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, and that's a, that's a good feeling. Um, after period play, I feel spent (laughs) because I just fucked. Um, and I feel 
Um, I feel more content about my period because, you know, I could go the whole day and be cramping or have a headache or just not up to my normal standard of living. Um, but then at the end of the night, like to, to look back and be like, Oh, like I suffered through that for this experience and that makes it worth it. Um, that makes me feel good. Now, like we heard earlier, Lucky's side hustle is online sex work. She's been selling photos and videos of herself on and off since college, but it wasn't until recently that she found her niche. In 2018, when Tumblr banned explicit posts, Lucky saw a lot of sex workers moving to Reddit, where she discovered people like David, people interested in period play and period porn. So I I started selling clips and I got verified on some different like sex selling subreddits. Um, And I saw that there was a a bit of an interest in period content. Um, And I figured like, I'm already doing this. Um, Like this is already something that I'm comfortable doing and, you know, find joy in doing. Um, so I started a like Google drive, um, and I put all the pictures and videos that I've made, um, for my owner or like with my owner on the drive and people can purchase it for a set amount. And then they just have access forever to, to this, um, collection. So it's like a membership kind of thing where once you've yeah paid in then you then you get updated photos every once in a while and clips and things yeah got it yeah I make sure to update it every month yeah do you have any difficulties doing this kind of sex work are there limitations are there um, roadblocks that you come up against either from the places that you're advertising Um, talk to me a little bit about any of the challenges you've had trying to make a business out of your period? So one thing that um, maybe not a lot of people are aware of is that you, you can't post period stuff on a lot of the main clip sites. So um, I have a profile on many vids and Pornhub and on both of those websites, you cannot upload any period content. I try to be really careful and follow the like banned words list from these sites that I upload to. Um, so on many vids, one of the banned words is period and any like iteration thereof, because if you try to circumvent like the spelling, then that also counts. Um, and you can have your stuff taken down. Like even if you use like, for example, um, if you spell period, like P E I like one O D like that will still get taken down. So I know that I can't post anything on many vids. Um, but I was looking through the Pornhub banned words list and, um, period was not on there. So I was like, Oh, okay, great. Like I'm good to go. Um, and I uploaded this really cute shower video with my period in it and not even maybe half an hour later, it got taken down. Um, I think the the reason was like excretion of bodily fluids or something, which like 
what is piss content, like what is cum, you know, like other than that. So that kind of irked me. And then is there any opportunity to fight that or you just you're just screwed? Um, You're just screwed. And if you um, circumvent the rules or like make the same mistake so many times, your account can be taken down. Um, so there's not really much I could do about that. How does it make you feel to sell content that basically features or revolves around a part of your life that is seen as shameful? You're actually utilizing something that is seen as shameful in order to make money, make a living. Talk to me a little bit about that. I never think of it in those terms. I, I think of it like I am producing content that maybe people who do have this kink like can't get anywhere else and I don't think that there's necessarily anything shameful in that and I don't think that people who purchase period content see it as shameful either I think they see it as something that while taboo is natural and I find that um, out of any other sort of sex work I've done, like the period stuff is really celebrated. And I never feel shame about it because I know that the people who are buying it aren't judging me. You know, like I am just one of them. Listening to Lucky, I'm struck by the constellation of people connected to her period. Her partner, the people who are buying her bloody content, And now all of us listening to her story. And I'm struck by how so many people can be affected when one person begins to shed the shame of a taboo. Or many taboos. Ultimately, the point of this episode isn't to try and convince anyone that they need to love period sex. Or even try it. But I hope after everything you've heard, at the very least, you might consider why you may not be into period sex. And if that's a choice you made or one that was thrust upon you. But really, especially as someone who's probably never going to have period sex himself, I think whenever we find ourselves thinking, ew, or I would never, about anything, not just period sex, it's a good idea to ask ourselves, why is that our reaction? We've all got hang-ups, and oftentimes, it's because we've been taught to hang ourselves in one way or another. But the more we talk about this stuff, the easier it is to get unstuck, and I truly believe the happier and healthier we can be. And it seems like Lucky and David and Alyssa would agree with that too. What would you say to someone, maybe someone who's listening right now, who thinks, this is disgusting, this is so gross, this is so wrong, Um, I can't believe that this is a thing, I can't believe that he's even talking about this. How do you respond to that kind of criticism or that that response? (laughs) Don't knock it till you try it. Um, I think that human sexuality is really broad um, and doesn't have any barriers. Um, So for someone to sexualize um, a natural part of anatomy um, makes sense. If you were to sit there and just go automatically no, you could be losing out on a 
really, really awesome experience. Like I said, that heightened feeling of uh, the whole process just feels amazing. And I, it would suck to lose it just because it, the, the topic is so taboo. Having somebody who's willing to spend time talking about how we got here, but also just giving people an opportunity to hear the conversation and nothing blew up and nothing caught on fire and nothing terrible happened. Dias for Desire is produced and edited by Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, Becca DiGregorio, and me. Noah Michelson. And if you've made it this far, thank you. We're taking a break to work on season two, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at desire at huffpost.com. Or, of course, you can leave us a voicemail at 732-660-8030. Tell us about yourself. Or let us know what you'd like to hear on a future episode. Until next time, remember... It's not taboo if it turns you on. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.